The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. And it's second down and 26. And the clock is inside five minutes to go. 0 for 2 on the screen pass. We'll see what Vandenberg does here. Going to throw deep, going for Davis. And Davis lays out for it and makes the catch near midfield. Darquez Denard had good coverage. And Keenan Davis goes up and makes a play for his QB. Big play for Iowa offensively. 35 yards. Biggest play through the air. Hello, everybody. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' home game under the lights against the Penn State Nittany Lions. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Penn State's Bill O'Brien. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs this year, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast. The Iowa-Michigan State game highlights are courtesy of ESPN with announcers Dave Pash and Brian Greasy. A nice job calling this grinded-out game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about the positives that came out of the Michigan State video review. Yeah, we, we did a lot of good things, but there are a lot of things we can do better, hopefully. But, the, you know, the biggest thing is that we, we played 60-plus minutes uh, the way you have to play. It's, it was a tough game, really very physical game on both sides, and, and uh, you know, they're a very tough outfit. So, you know, the, the biggest thing, I think, is that our guys hung in there and persevered and, you know, found a way to, to get the job done done at the end and, and uh, to do it on the road is good too because you know it's really going back and look but you know I, I think you probably have to go back to 09 to look at us playing like that on the road and you know coming out of a, a tough environment against a tough team with a victory like that so hopefully it'll be good for our guys confidence and uh, you know maybe we can take some steps forward here. Ference talks about the resiliency of this year's Iowa squad. First of all we have good guys you know, on our team and uh, I think we have good leadership so it's, it's probably you know kind of starts and stops right there you know I think there are leaders have done a good job and we've got a big senior class of guys you know when I say big there, there are a lot of guys that aren't starting right now that are seniors uh, but you know when you watch you know I miss a lot of things on the sideline but you know you watch the tape and you see a guy like Trent Mossbrucker uh, after a good kickoff coverage right there you know you know greeting the guys and, and encouraging them you know things like that we got a lot of a lot of good stories going on with those guys you know they've they've really been all in and so even if they may not be starting, they're, they're giving us, uh, you know, they're, they're showing the younger guys how to act, you know, how, how to do things. And, you know, good teams have that. You know, bad teams typically don't. So it's, you know, 
there's a lot going on behind the scenes that maybe you don't see. I throw a guy like Trent, who's, you know, I mean, he's got Mike Meyer in front of him right now. So it's, that's a tough deal, but it happens in sports, and uh, he's handled it like a champ, and you know, he's doing projects for us on special teams. I mean, you know, he's working his tail off upstairs. But that, those are, you know, those are positive things. The guys are all in. You know, they really, they care about each other. Kirk was asked about what changes he sees with the Bill O'Brien version of Penn State this season. They probably threw less at us last year. I just went back through that last night. They went through, probably threw less at us last year than any year. They just kind of handled us. Yeah, they, they really, uh, you know, they just beat us toe-to-toe. And, and I'll say this, they beat a lot of people toe-to-toe last year. They had a really good football team. And, you know, if you look at their, their defense right now, uh, they're, it's not identical to what they've been, but, you know, they look a lot very similar. they got three outstanding linebackers. Their front four guys are really good. Uh, Hill is an outstanding football player. You know, they got a bunch of guys that are really good, but Hill Hill is even, you know, I think he's their leader in that, that down four group. You know, their linebackers are really good. Like I said, they're very athletic in the secondary. So that's, you know, they, they got a lot of good football players on that team, and it's going to be tough for us to try to match up against them because they're, they're talented. They're really good, and they're, they play hard. Their whole team plays hard, and they really, you know, that's why they're winning because they play hard and they execute and they don't beat themselves. You know, they don't turn it over. You know, it's uh, their quarterback, flip it over. The quarterback's kind of the representative of that. You know, he's thrown for 250, 12 TDs, I think, two picks. And, you know, he's just he's playing great. And I'm sure, you know, everybody's feeding off of that. And Ference talks about the value of place kicker Mike Meyer to the Iowa team. You know, we don't have a lot of, um, like, you know, just proven week in and week out players on our team right now. You know, we're kind of, uh, you know, just kind of scrapping along here. But, the, you know, Mike Mike has entered that point, I think, in his career. And, you know, I, th- I felt like that in the spring, just the way he practiced. And, and so much of what, what guys do in practice shows up on the field. That That's why Weissman was a surprise on one hand. But on the other hand, it wasn't a surprise because he works extremely hard and just, you know, you just see him do so many good things. And Mike, I've said it many times. Mike's really had a great uh, spring, had a great August, and now every every week at practice, you know, he, he just continues to perform. So, yeah, I didn't even realize it was a 40, whatever it was, two-yard field goal the other day, 41. But, yeah, it didn't bother me at all. And, you know, it was great to – I think we all have confidence in Mike right now. He's just uh, – he's done such a good job. And, you know, I'll give an assist there to Nate Cading. You know, he's, Nate's not a senior. I've talked about seniors on our team, but that's one of the neat things here is a lot of linkage to uh, the past, you know, with guys like Cading who lives in town or, you know, guys like Yonda, guys – so many of the guys guys come back here and train with our guys in the summertime so that that you know and, and Mike's smart enough to pick Nate's brain which you know if I was a kicker if I was any football player I'd, I'd pick Nate Kading's brain it's a pretty good brain to be picking Next, we hear from first-year Penn State head coach Bill O'Brien, who talks about the adjustments his team is making to his new up-tempo offensive scheme. There's been improvement, and you know, I'm not surprised because you know I don't. I, I think it's been okay, and I think we're doing better uh, than we did in spring practice. Uh, the, the reason why there's improvement is because the uh, the players have worked extremely hard at it. The coaching staff has worked extremely hard at it. You know, again, we're only halfway through, so hopefully, the improvement can continue. O'Brien was asked to evaluate the play of his quarterback, Matt McGloin. Matt's a guy that's worked extremely hard to learn the offense. He's worked extremely hard on his own mechanics and, and uh, he's shown improvement every single week and he, he's shown good poise, he's shown good leadership and uh, now's the time for him to really continue to do that and even do it in, in, in better ways. So he knows that, he knows that uh, we're only halfway through and, and that he's going to have to play well in order for us to, to continue to improve.
improve. O'Brien also talks about the development of McGloin as one of his team's leaders. Well, I, I believe uh, he's a member of a senior class that has a really uh, a bunch of good leaders in it. He's he's done a nice job uh, from day one of improving in his leadership capabilities and his leadership qualities. And you know, uh, he and I talked a lot over the off season about uh, some things that he could do to improve in that area, and he's really done that. And all the credit goes to him. You know, obviously he's a, he's a fifth year senior that's been through a lot here. He's played in big games. Uh, he, he understands that he, he has to play with poise and has to show good leadership and I, I think he's continuing to, to do that and, and uh, continue to improve in those areas. Penn State leads the Big Ten in fourth down conversion attempts by far. O'Brien talks about that aspect of his offense. And on fourth down, yeah, we, you know, it's a game plan type deal. It's, uh, it has to do with the flow of the game. It's field position. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. It's uh, certain things maybe that we see on film that we we think we might be able to take advantage of or whatever it might be. So uh, it's a week-to-week deal, and we just try to do the best we can with it. O'Brien was asked for his assessment of the Iowa team his Nittany Lions will face Saturday night. Well, offensively, uh, they're a very, very physical football team. Their offensive line is playing well. They run the ball well. Quarterback is a smart guy that is an accurate passer. They've got receivers that uh, have made some big plays for them throughout the year, tight ends that are that are threats both in the running and the passing game. So we've got a big challenge ahead of us uh, with Iowa's offense. Defensively, very well-coached defense, tough defense, tough to run it on them. Uh, they do a nice job um, with their secondary of, of playing tight coverage and understanding uh, what they're trying to get done with, within their scheme. So this is a big, big challenge for our football team, and uh, it's on the road. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to have a great week of practice and be ready to go on Saturday night. And O'Brien talks about playing his first game at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, very tough environment, very loud, great fans, uh, fans that do a great job of supporting their team and uh, and uh, just a very, very loud environment and an electric atmosphere, which is really, at the end of the day, that's what college football is all about. And uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere, and hopefully it's a, it's a good football game. Iowa hosts Penn State in a primetime night game Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. It's the Hawkeyes' annual Black and Gold Spirit game and also the second annual America Needs Farmers Day. Iowa and Penn State have identical records coming into this contest. Both are 4-2 and two overall, 2-0 two and oh in the Big Ten. The Nittany Lions come into Iowa City off their bye week and with a four-game winning streak, including a home come-from-behind win over Northwestern. The Hawkeyes are on a two-game roll winning their first two Big Ten games over Minnesota at home and Michigan State on the road. Penn State is perhaps the surprise team in the Big Ten so far this year, playing better than many expected given the sanctions imposed on them as a result of the Jerry Sandusky scandal and its fallout. The series is tied 12-12. Penn State won last year's game in Happy Valley, but the Hawkeyes have won three of the last four and eight of the last ten. Iowa enjoys a 9-3 advantage since the Nittany Lions came into the Big Ten Conference. 
Conference. Iowa has won four straight in games played in Iowa City, but Penn State actually holds a 7-5 margin over the Hawks when playing at Kinnick. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz comes into this game on the heels of winning his 100th game at Iowa. He is 168 with the Hawkeyes, 112-89 overall as a head coach. Penn State head coach Bill O'Brien is in his first year as a college head coach, following a stint as offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, where he also worked with current Iowa offensive line coach Brian Ferentz, who coached tight ends under O'Brien. Four of Iowa's first six games this season have been decided by three points or less, two by only a single point, not to mention the double overtime win last Saturday in East Lansing. The Hawkeyes are highly ranked on defense in several statistical categories nationally and are tied with Penn State atop the Big Ten in turnover margin at plus seven. Iowa is also tied for fourth in the nation in fewest turnovers lost, second in fumbles lost, and 14th in turnover margin. The Hawkeyes are averaging 67 offensive plays per game, up from an average of 53 a year ago. However, they are struggling offensively, as is quarterback James Vandenberg, who's 114th in the nation in pass efficiency, while overall the offense is ranked 98th. And Iowa may very well be without starting running back Mark Weissman, who has rushed for more than 100 yards in each of the last four games, has scored eight out of a total of 13 touchdowns, and has accounted for virtually all of Iowa's rushing yards since the UNI game. O'Brien has brought more of an up-tempo offense to Penn State, and the Nittany Lions starting quarterback Matt McGloin is the Big Ten's leading passer. One of his main targets is wide receiver Allen Robinson, who is second in the conference in receptions and leads in touchdown catches with seven. McGloin has thrown for 12 touchdowns, plus he's run for five more. Overall, the Nittany Lions rank second in the Big Ten in passing offense and scoring defense, and third in sacks allowed and sacks against opposing quarterbacks. The Hawkeyes are in the midst of playing three out of four games on the road, while this game marks the beginning of a stretch of three of four road games for Penn State. This is an extremely important game for Iowa in terms of the race in the Big Ten Legends division, but it's also big for Penn State, because even though that team is ineligible to play in the conference title game or a bowl, it is eligible to win the Big Ten's leaders division. Both teams are currently tied for the top spot in their respective divisions, Iowa with Michigan, Penn State with Ohio State. All four of those teams have 2-0 records in conference play. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. It's still landing. How's the footing for the kicker? How slick is the ball? 42-yard attempt. Meyer has made 12 straight field goals. Make it 13. Meyer splits the uprights, and Iowa leads by three. There was a little ice in the veins there from Meyer. That ball got down a little bit late, and the laces were facing him as it was put down. Very good kick from Meyer. John Winky, the holder, able to get it down and spin it just in time. Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporter's Notebook shows, this with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. And you can also listen to Scott on WMT Radio's pregame show three hours before every Iowa home game. Scott looks ahead at the Penn State game and more.
Scott, as usual, before we turn to Penn State, any closing thoughts on the Michigan State game? Well, it was a game that I think a lot of us expected it. Uh, it was a, not necessarily the results, but style of play. Uh, it was a punt fest, 17 punts in the game. It was a rainy, cold day, two slugfest type of offenses. And it came down to who made a couple of plays at the end of the game, and Iowa was able to do that. Uh, you know, for Kurt Ferentz to win number 100, that was maybe as perfect of a performance as you could ask for I mean, on the road as an underdog, play possession by possession football. Your team makes a play at the end. You play with toughness. You play with heart. And it turned out to be a, a memorable game for Kirk in a, in a year where right now they're still just kind of sawing wood, trying to improve and do what they need to do to win. Thinking ahead now, you have a situation at running back where Weissman was injured in East Lansing. Doubtful for Saturday. They've got Garmin and Kanzari listed 1-2. Most people would have probably agreed that they have more speed than Weissman, but less power, obviously. But Weissman has scored eight of Iowa's 13 touchdowns, has 36% of Iowa's point total. Uh, Bullock reportedly has suffered another setback and is out again for this coming game. And you're looking at a passing game that's really been struggling, maybe even getting worse, at least in terms of, of Vandenberg's play. So what kind of stress is that going to put on Iowa's offense this Saturday? Well, if he doesn't play, it does just create a lot of issues for Iowa. I mean, you're looking at a pretty good Penn State defense. You're looking, as you mentioned, a, a passing game that's really just never gotten on track this year. And and uh, But one thing I will say, talking about the last game, uh, James Vanberg had to play in very poor weather conditions against an opponent that was very difficult. By, in my opinion, the best defense in the Big Ten. So they played a different style than maybe they would against a different opponent, which is don't take any chances. If you got to take the three yard out, go ahead and do it and punt. There's no sin in punting. So I don't know that his performance against Michigan State would what you would want to put as a microcosm of the season. That said, Mark Wiseman, as you mentioned, I mean, he's gained 631 yards and eight touchdowns this year. Uh, the next leader has one touchdown. So <laughs> I think uh, he's going to be sorely missed. But that said, I think people, should, if he doesn't play, people should be excited to see Jordan Canzeri. I mean, he's got, this is seven months after a severe knee injury. He's got what some people have described as ant strength, that he can bench press twice his weight. Uh, he's a strong, very, very quick player into the hole. Was going to be the original starting running back this year. So I think people might be excited to see him, as is Greg Garman, who may have the most upside. I have a feeling you're going to see Mark Wiseman play and play well on Saturday. And I think uh, if the weather conditions cooperate, I think you'll see a much improved offensive attack. The Penn State's defense averages uh, gives up an average of 128 8.5 rushing yards a game and 213.2 through the air. Marv Cook made an interesting comment in his show yesterday in terms of that kind of an injury for a running back and said that it should have much less impact actually on a runner with the style of Weissman as opposed to if it were Garmin or Kanzeri that had that same injury. Oh, he's absolutely correct. I mean, he's going to, he doesn't have to, his, feet, his foot movement is get to the whole and blast through it, not get to the hole, make defenders miss. He very rarely tries to make defenders miss. He has good vision, good balance, but I don't, I don't see this as a major issue. If he's, uh, if he's able to play, he'll play effectively. He'll be able to run on it, and uh, the way he runs is so much different than, say, a, a Bullock or a Garmin or or a Kinsey. Back to the Vandenberg situation. Both radio analysts, Poto 
Bullock and Jim Miller, who's obviously a former NFL quarterback, does the Michigan State games, as well as Brian Greasy on the ESPN telecast, had multiple comments during that game, setting aside the, the sloppy field conditions and, and the weather and so forth. They focused on what they described as pretty poor mechanics and especially bad footwork for Vandenberg. And I know he was asked about that at the press conference on Tuesday. Yeah, and it was. It was a setback from his mechanics to his fundamentals. Uh, the way he stepped and throw, he looked impatient in the pocket. He hurried his throws, almost like he was timid or intimidated to some extent uh, against Michigan State. And, uh, you know, for a quarterback who hadn't been sacked since the first game, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise to see that. You wonder what the correlation is right now between offensive coordinator Greg Davis and James Vandenberg and, of course, his receivers. Uh, he did have some receivers open. He's not able to connect with them. He missed on a pair of screen passes, which are pretty simple passes if you can get them above the defensive line, which was very difficult the other day. Uh, had he done those, they would have had at least first down yardage and probably more. So uh, he's got to somehow fight through that, get uh, get some toughness to him. You know, toughness in the pocket, regain his fundamentals because he does have a strong arm. He's very accurate. And it's a little bit of a surprise that we're halfway through the season and we're still wondering what's wrong with James Vandenberg. Yeah, your comment there about the relationship between Vandenberg and Greg Davis right now is very interesting one. Talked about this earlier in the week, too. You, you know, there's some criticism, growing criticism, of in terms of some of the play calling. My question is, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, we don't really know whether those are Greg Davis's play calls because Vandenberg has options coming out of the huddle or whether that's Vandenberg changing the play at the line. I mean, it's unclear if you want to blame somebody for the play calls. Who do you blame right now? Well, it's a good question. I mean, you know, I think they both take equal responsibility right now. I mean, you're looking at, you know, the, the quarterback has the ability to change the plays. The, the offensive coordinator provides the foundation and Kirk Ferentz provides the house. And so I think at this point, you've got to point at the quarterback. The quarterback is the one who pulls the trigger. The quarterback's the one who has the option to make plays. If the receivers are running the wrong route, which it was the case early on, it was less the case the other day, um, then I think you got to point the finger there. Um, but by and large, only he hasn't found a lot of his uh, receivers, uh, you know, his tight ends, uh, had limited roles. C.J. Fedora, which is the third leading receiver with 16 catches, but he was a guy I think we all pegged for maybe that's about 25 at this point. That's about two and a half catches per game right now, um, and I think we're all a little surprised with that. So I would put the onus on James Vandenberg right now, but that said, uh, Greg Davis has to provide a blueprint to, to exercise what his quarterback feature is accentuate his features and right now I don't know that it's uh, the the wide style of play the wide passing game is, is doing that right now. If you had to focus on a couple of key offensive stats it seems to me it's the third down conversion rate and especially third and long Iowa's pretty poor in that regard this season 15 to 55 third and long plays but that stat alone can be a little bit misleading because that means that they're not executing plays very well on first or second down, probably especially first. Yeah, that, those are uh, those are issues that just seem to be coming on, you know, that have played off. Now, I, I'll say this, that in a couple of the games that Iowa's had, uh, they played very poorly, um, especially on third down. That's Michigan State and Iowa State, uh, two low-scoring games against two very good defenses. Uh, they had a little bit better rate um, against Minnesota, especially in the first half, and then uh, Central Michigan. So they, they've got to keep working, but it's on all aspects of football, and <laughs> almost regardless of down, because, yeah, if you get 
get in third and longs, those are hard to complete. Uh, it's because you did play very well on first and second down. Penn State coming into this game, they're four and two, two and zero, same record as Iowa. Interesting because of the fallout from the Sandusky case. They've got four years of the scholarship reductions and the bowl bans, but they're apparently still able to win the leaders' division. So they're playing. It looks like a pretty cohesive team right now. The schedules, I don't even know how you compare them between the two schools. Uh, talk a little bit just in general about the Penn State team that Iowa will face Saturday night. Well, if, if you were to go on what you know the first half year of the season, I, I think you would go with uh, Bill O'Brien as coach of the year, the way he's been able to keep the team together, keep them focused, keep them confident, move forward. They, they've played, you know, they've had adversity certainly off the field more than any other school really has endured since uh, probably the Marshall plane crash in the, in the early 70s. And uh, But he's been able to keep the unit together. They fought back. They fought back from deficits. Uh, they've uh, not turned on one another like after the Virginia loss where their field goal kicker missed four, ex, uh, four field goals and an extra point. Uh, this is a team that's, uh, uh, you've got to like their confidence. Uh, their quarterback last year kept coming off the bench, which we really didn't understand why at the time. Matt McGloin, uh, he installed him as a starter. He's thrown 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Penn State's a confident team. They're a hard-nosed team like they all, always are. They have enough holdovers from a pretty good team last year um, and a better coaching staff. So this team, where we're going to see some of the issues from and the fallout from the Sandusky case on the field are the years to come when their scholarships dwindle, when they have, you know, their depth will be an issue, uh, and, and some of the better players decide not to go there. But this year, they still have enough holdovers. They still have enough players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which will keep them in just about any game this year. Yeah, I think you know you could remind Iowa fans about some of their losses because obviously after that situation, the NCAA and Big Ten allowed Penn State players to transfer at will, not lose any eligibility, be able to play immediately. Probably the three most significant losses that have directly affected their play so far this year was their place kicker, Anthony Farah, because you just alluded to it, their field goal kicking has been a significant weakness. They lost running back Silas Red, and maybe the one of the more interesting ones, they lost defensive back Derek Thomas, and the defensive coach for Penn State talks about the fact that they're now so thin at defensive back, he can't even run the nickel defense. Yeah, they're they're uh, scraping things together with failing wire and sheet metal at this point. And I would also throw in there uh, Justin Brown, a wide receiver who was uh, you know who went to Oklahoma and they really lost a lot of key position players. I think they lost 10 players that left for other programs. Uh, they lost their depth. They lost some big players. I mean, Tyler's Red, in my opinion, probably the best running back in the Big Ten. You know, first-teamer or second-teamer last year. Very good player. That alters their ability to run the football and run it effectively. You know, they're just kind of throwing people back there. And again, the way they play, the way they play, pulled together in their first two games, it, it, it shows it's very, very impressive. Uh, you know, they went to Illinois and won impressively, and they had a lot riding on that game because Illinois, as you might recall, sent eight coaches out to Penn State basically on a recruiting trip, uh, and Penn State didn't like that. I don't think most of the Big Ten did either. I thought that was kind of classless by most people's estimations. And then, and but I think the most impressive win for, in my eyes was over Northwestern, where they were down 28-17 going into the fourth quarter. It just gave up a huge punt return, and then they were able to bounce back, play hard, play physical on defense and really outlast the, the Wildcats, who that's their only loss right now. More from Scott Docterman after this break. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 
24-hour hand sanitizer production just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer, protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Back to our conversation with Scott Docterman, who looks at Penn State's offense and defense and talks some Big Ten. First-year head coach Bill O'Brien comes from the New England Patriots, where he was offensive coordinator, and he's brought that up-tempo style of offense that he ran in New England. And it seems that uh, especially quarterback Matt McGloin is flourishing in that scheme. Yeah, I mean, again, we we looked at him the last couple of years, and Rob Bolden was the starter, and they kept bringing McGloin off the bench, and it was really uh, surprising in our eyes because I thought that uh, Matt McGloin was so much better than than uh, Rob Bolden. Um, had a lot of potential. And right now he's being coached. And I, I wouldn't say that he was coached very effectively under Jay and Joe Paterno. And uh, he, as you can see, that a quarterback, somebody like that, who's got a lot of toughness and perseverance, uh, he's thriving right now. And he might be one of the best stories of the Big Ten this year. Yeah, 249.8 yards per game leads the Big Ten in that regard. An amazing 12 touchdown passes versus only two picks, and he's also run for five touchdowns. He is, uh, again, I'd say he and Mark Wiseman have been the two most interesting figures in the Big Ten this year so far. Now, is it fair to say his biggest weapon or his target, anyway, would be sophomore whiteout Allen Robinson? Yeah, Allen Robinson's a very uh, athletic player on the wing. I mean, he's been a a very interesting player, and then I would not discount Kyle Carter, a tight end, if he is, you know, he caught four passes against Northwestern, three against Illinois, four against Virginia, and six against Ohio. He's a good player, and, and uh, they do have some holdovers there that uh, I would say you really need to watch out for from Iowa's perspective. But but uh, that said, this is not an unbeatable Penn State team. They were better last year. They've been better in the past. Uh, they're just they're just playing hard and smart, and, and a lot of times that's enough to win against teams of your ability. Given the loss of Red, you talked about it a couple of minutes ago. Who should Iowa fans? look at in terms of Penn State running backs? Well, they've got three that really run the ball a considerable amount, and I would say that would be uh, Zach uh, Zwiniak. Zwiniak uh, ran for 121 against uh, Northwestern. Michael Zordich uh, you know, ran for 75 against Temple. And then Bill Belton has kind of been that uh, the gym kick, uh, if you will, of the, of the Penn State running attack. You know, just kind of a do-it-all player. So they come at you in waves. Uh, they are more running back by committee than even Iowa is. And uh, But uh, 
there's no silence right there. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Perhaps the most unusual aspect of this offense is the rate they go for fourth down conversions. They're first in the Big Ten, twelfth in the nation. They've run fourth down attempts twenty times. Yeah, they're five and six against Northwestern. Uh, that was just an amazing. Uh, that's it's an amazing exhibition for what they're doing. But but when you have problems kicking the football, you have to do something to compensate for that. And what they've shown is, okay, we're going to be more aggressive. We're going to be aggressive on third down. We're going to be aggressive on fourth down because we don't have enough faith in our field goal kickers. And I think uh, they've compensated for that, and that really worked out. If they would, have, they wouldn't have done that against Northwestern, I'm not so sure they win. So uh, that that's something they had to do and something that they've been very effective doing. It's another tough Penn State defense, maybe not stellar, but certainly strong, and that's a Penn State tradition. And probably their two leading defenders would be Hodges and Mowdy. Yeah, and uh, don't overlook Jordan Hill up front. Uh, he was he's a tough, hard-nosed guy. I mean, they've got they still got players. I mean, their linebacking core, there's three or four top-notch ones in the Big Ten, and they're right there with Hodges, uh, Hill uh, at, at defense tackle. But Glenn Carson's a terrific player. Michael Mowdy is the heart and soul of this team. Uh, he was the one who really pulled them all together after the uh, after the, the ruling went down from the NCAA and really put them and, and is the ultimate leader. He is a guy that long-term in 10 years that uh, Penn State fans are going to look at and say, you're the one who kept it together. You're the one we need. I mean, he's you know been a, an athlete of the week, a defensive player of the week uh, for his efforts against Illinois, a couple of interceptions. He is uh, he's a tough, tenacious linebacker, but he's got equals on the other side of the ball in Iowa. If you look at the matchup overall, I mean, just especially looking at the statistics, you might give a slight edge to Iowa defensively, a slight edge to Penn State offensively. Seems to me, though, there's a huge edge for the Hawkeyes with respect to special teams and especially the place kicker. I mean, everybody knows what Mike Meyer's been doing and how highly ranked he is in the nation. He's actually number one right now in terms of field goals made, and Penn State's had really big struggles in that regard. Yeah, I, I mean, right now I would say, you know, Iowa is a, is a better running team, of course, than, than Penn State. Uh, they average, uh, you know, about 16 yards a game more than Penn State. Passing the game, there's no doubt. Penn State is, is much better than Iowa. I mean, who would have thought that at the beginning of the year when you got a guy with 325 touchdowns for Iowa and, and Matt McGloin on the other end of it? Defensively, I think they're comparable. Um, Iowa's run defense is pretty good, and Penn State isn't bad. And then pass defense, Iowa's is a little bit better than Penn State. But you got, you're right. I mean, the edge in a game like this can often be special teams. It's everything from punting and making sure the field position flips to uh, making your field goals and extra points. And, and Iowa has maybe the best field goal kicker in the in the league. And Penn State situation is uh, probably 15th out of 12 teams. <laughs> Who are your key players that you're focusing on offensively and defensively? For Iowa, you got to go with James Vandenberg again. Will he get it on track? Will he become go ahead and play like the player we know he can be? I mean, if he can do that, that adds another layer to Iowa's offense. Iowa could be a much more dangerous team. And then you look going forward and you say, with a with a strong passing game to go with a physical style of running game, a very improved defense, a good special team, Iowa's going to be in there for the race the rest of the year. But quarterback has to come and play, and that's James Vandenberg. Of course, we're going to look at Mark Wiseman to make sure that he's healthy and he's going to keep him on the football. And then on defense, my in my opinion, one of the Frank Boyle's candidates this year should be Reese Morgan, the defensive line coach. The way he's taken a group of journeymen and turned them into very good players. They stopped one of the best big the Big Ten's best running backs in Le'Veon Bell. They held him in check and uh, got pressure on the quarterback last week. So I would say up front on Iowa's defense because I really like their linebacking core. I think their linebacker core is as good 
as anybody's in the league, and that includes Penn State, Wisconsin, and a few other good schools. Prediction? I think this might be Iowa's breakout game offensively. I think they finally get over the top. Penn State has played hard, played well. They're coming off a bye. They've got a lot of intangibles, you might say, is uh, in their favor, but I think this one is an Iowa game, Iowa at night. I'm going Iowa 23-10 to 10 over uh, Penn State. Big Ten thoughts this week? Uh, you know what? This is a, this is another crucial week in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, you have this game, which um, and I'm sure the, the Big Ten office would like to see Iowa win it <laughs> because you don't want to have that Penn State kind of hang over there. But uh, the most important and pivotal game, I think, for two teams is Nebraska at Northwestern. It's a 2:30 game. The winner has a chance to continue to go on and be a divisional contender. The loser really has an uphill climb, especially if Iowa or Michigan wins. So they're one and one in, in league play last year. Northwestern upset North Nebraska in Nebraska. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who really takes charge in this game. All party guys, great plan. Kirk Ferentz, a squad in command now. Long way to go in this Big Ten season, but they're 2-0. and And Michigan State now 1-2 and and essentially three games back of Iowa because they would lose the head-to-head. Hawkeyes come back, score a late touchdown to tie the game with a minute to go and send it to overtime, and they win it in double OT. 19-16 over Michigan State in East Lansing. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ESPN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.